Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day that you've given to us. And uh, Lord, would you be in our midst um, as we learn about, read about, discuss, and ponder uh, what being a Christian means wandering in the wilderness of this life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, last week I started this series as a three-part that I'm doing, so just by way of just easy recap, I'm just trying to use a few of the images from a book called The Pilgrim's Progress as a way of talking about following Christ in this world and what it means, because I think John Bunyan is the author of this. He was a Puritan in the 1600s. He wrote this from a prison cell. Uh, He was in prison for his faith, persecuted, and he wrote this as an allegory of the Christian journey. And I remember when I read this book, you know, I got to like page 35 and it was like Christian at the cross unloading his burden and he's free from his burden of sin. And then I was thinking, well, there's still, you know, 150 more pages. What's I mean, hasn't he arrived at the destination, you know? And then I come to see that there's all these other perils and dangers and temptations along the way that he has to still undergo before he gets to his destination, which is actually the celestial city. Um, you know, so, so there's these images in this book, that, and I just wanted to use some of them for us to talk about. I, uh, you know, I want participation. I want y'all to ask questions um, and share your thoughts on these uh, matters. So, so in essence, in a nutshell, there's a character called Christian, and he is looking for eternal life. And a man named Evangelist points in the way, says, go this way um, to leave your, your city where you're at and go towards the celestial city. So he leaves and he starts encountering trouble from the beginning. There's people that try to talk him out of going on this journey. They say it's too dangerous or that's unwise or unsafe. Why would you do this? And of course it's, a, it's an allegory of becoming a Christian and following Jesus um, and so at, at some point, what I want to talk about today is two, two places that Christian ends up having a difficult time. Next week, I want to talk more about the glory of the, new, of the celestial city, the, uh, the beauty of what, what we hope for, and the fulfillment of longings, and um, the pictures of what it means to rest in, um, in God's presence. But this week is going to be a little more the, the dark night of the soul, the, um, the disappointment, the hardship, the heartache. So this one's not as um, light, you could say. Or, um, but, but I love y'all's thoughts. So Christian ends up walking into this valley of the shadow of death, is what it's called. And you may recall that there's a song... Psalm 23, one of the more well-known psalms, talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And so I thought we would look at that psalm. Um, Psalm 23, it'll be right in the middle of your Bible. You'll find the psalms and then find the one that counts, number 23. Tell me if somebody finds it and then we can tell the page number that it's on. That's sometimes helpful. Because I don't have one of those Bibles. 392? Thanks, Les. So 392 is where you'll find that. So Christian comes upon this valley. So it's at night. Um, He's weary from a journey because he's already been through a number of troubles and difficulties. 
And uh, so it's at night. It's kind of symbolizing a dark time. Um, you know, trouble is afoot for him, you know. Um, so it's gloomy, and he's, he's shut in by these dark mountains around him. Um, and there's a chill in the air that penetrates his soul, and he has, he's imagining a storm that's going to happen when he goes into this place, into this valley. Um, so there's a lot of trepidation for the pilgrim uh, named Christian who's going in here. Um, and he's sort of groping about with much fear and trembling and trying to remind himself that God is powerful to save. God is mighty to save. Um, and so he encounters it. But I'd love for us to read Psalm 23 together and uh, hear, hear David's uh, rendition of this passing through the valley of the shadow of death. Would anybody uh, volunteer to read? Sure. Go for it, Stuart. Thanks. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You will lie in your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Um, those words may be familiar to you, and sometimes, uh, sometimes the first and the last thing we hear tends to be what we remember, and it's hard to remember the middle part. So, you know, when I think of this psalm, I think of, oh yeah, the the still calm waters and the green grass. And, oh, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But right in the middle of this psalm is this picture of the valley of the shadow of death. And um, if you know anything about the life of David, uh, it, was, it was not an easy, um, easy life. He was uh, pursued by King Saul, who was jealous of him. Saul was throwing spears at him, trying to kill him. Um, he and his men were um, holed up in caves uh, for many, many days, hiding from Saul's army. Um, David was later in his life, his son Absalom rose up a rebellion against him, and he had to leave the city of Jerusalem, fearing for his life. Um, David knew many dark days. He, he lost a child because of his own sin. Um, he, he, was, uh, he knew what it meant to walk through this dark valley. And there's other, there's other biblical images you could conjure up. Remember Jesus the night before his uh, crucifixion. He brings his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, will you pray with me? And do you remember his disciples can't even stay awake with him. But he's praying. He knows what's about to happen. He's about to be arrested. And he's about to go through a gruesome death. And he prays, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it was so intense for Jesus that it says, in Luke's gospel, it says, his, as he's praying feverishly, um, his sweat became like blood running down his forehead, dropping on the ground. I mean, it, that's, that's intense. You know, Jesus knew this dark, darkness, this valley of the shadow of death. And ultimately, he walked through that 
because he did give up his life. He um, experienced the agony of the cross and uh, suffering for our sin. Um, so, so Christian, in this allegory of the Pilgrim's Progress, he goes into this valley of the shadow of death. And um, he's hearing like howling and yelling, people calling out in agony in this, and it's all dark around him. He can't see. He's groping about. And so there's just these horrible uh, sounds that he's hearing. But then when he's about to give up hope, He's thinking, I'm forsaken here. I'm left, you know, I'm left for dead here. Um, He picks up one sound, and it's the sound of somebody else singing. And it's another character that he meets here named Faithful, who will become his companion for a good part of his journey. And Faithful is singing praise to God in the middle of this valley of the shadow of death. Um, And it... Somehow, the faith of this other pilgrim helps to sustain Christian. He's about to give up, and then he sees this other one believing and hoping for something better, and sure enough, he gets to the end of the Valley of the Shadow of Death and comes out of it, and he he now has a friend who's endured the same thing with him, and they were able to comfort and encourage each other. Um, When I think of that picture of having needing companionship, um, fellowship on the journey. Um, what I'd love to hear from y'all, um, if you have any thoughts or questions in this vein, what, what does the Christian life tell us or promise us about things like pain and fear, this valley of shadow of death? And you can even use Psalm 23 as for reference if you'd like. When you, when you think of that, when you think of people that go, undergo um, great suffering and yet they retain a hope or a joy or a peace, what, what does the Christian faith um, well, think promise One us? thing the Christian faith does, it does not promise that you won't have the suffering, hmm. which some people think otherwise, but that God promises he's there with you. He will rescue you. Yes. Yeah, that's so important. That's huge right there. Because we tend to think, well, if you're a Christian, surely nothing bad should happen to you. You know, <laughs> like if you belong to Jesus, then wouldn't wouldn't you be um, walled off from any suffering? And yet the opposite actually seems to be true. It's a really good point. I actually think, I actually don't often think that because of Christ's death, like the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe when I was younger I did, but now I go, well, if they were crucified as perfect son of God, then there's no telling what will happen mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, and then, forgive me, but my my visualization on this, on this, you know, the beginning and the end and the rough stuff in the middle, I think of that scene from Poltergeist where they, they, you know, they pull that rope through all that stuff and she's, you know, hold on to the rope, hold on to the rope. And I feel like that. Hmm. Hold on to the rope. Hold on, you know, because wow. there's a beginning and an end. And you can, you know, in the beginning, it's beautiful when you become a Christian, right? And at the end is the goal. That's the prize. But in the middle, it's just 
junk and crap and <laughs> yeah. just hold on the rope, hold on the rope. I think there's been a rope that's from that God got me. He he mm. hooked me. You know, Jesus hooked me, and then I have to be held on through all the stuff. <laughs> that is a really good image. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You heard it here. The poltergeist is redemptive. No, that's really good. Ten years of Yeah, it's it's not easy. You're right. It's not. It is not easy. And even that idea of like you're bringing up loving your enemies. There's there's a there's a a depth of agony even involved in that, and forgiving. You know, it, remembering the agony Jesus went through so that we might be forgiven. But then we have to walk and step into that and engage that when we're wronged. When when we feel like we need to defend ourselves or for the sake of our reputation or, um, you know, for things that are really broken and messy, there's, there's definitely a um, difficulty to engage there in bringing peace and loving those that aren't loving towards you. I mean, it's painful to die on the cross. And we're told to take up our cross and to die daily to ourselves. That's the hardest part of walking the Christian life is contending <coughs> with ourselves. Yeah. And what me, myself, and I would like to have it do. Yeah. That's my personal part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so, so it can be... Yeah, it makes me think of how so, so many... So many things in the Christian life are really about responding to the circumstances that are brought to you. You know, like, like, and so the understanding that you brought up, Elizabeth, earlier, I mean, I think that's so helpful, like, to understand there will be hardship and suffering. To not be totally surprised by that, but it's how do we move into that? How do we move into this valley of shadow of death? And I think part of it is remembering in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. And so even though I walk through this valley of shadow of death, I know that I have a shepherd that cares for me. I have a shepherd that's looking out for me and he knows how to do it better than I do. 
And if my Savior has endured this for me, um, he, he, will, he will uphold me and keep me even as I go through whatever this trial is or this hardship. It's so appropriate that Bunyan gave Christians the, a friend, and the friend was called faith. Mm-hmm. And faith followed him all the way to the Golden City. I mean, and that's, that's what we have to believe in. That's the hardest part. We don't see it. We just have to believe it. I mean, we're people of the faith. We don't see it, but we believe it. Mm. And he was singing. Have you heard him singing? You know, it's just, I think it's an amazing kind of book. Yeah, Um, it really is. I guess you know that Robin Anderson, she teaches, she teaches from Pilgrim's Progress for all fifth graders that come through. Where at, here at Advent? Oh, no. She, she I didn't know that. This book, she's for years. Oh. That's fifth grade curriculum. At really? Oh, how cool. Is it I mean, year? It, or is it just the I think it's Kathy. Kathy's the big of all. And she's been faithful in how many years has she been? Okay. And they watched. I'm so encouraged to hear that. I mean, I I think we we need to understand narratives and pictures um, and things. This is an enduring kind of piece of literature, you know, that's going to apply. I mean, this was a best-selling hit in the 1600s, you know, (laughs) and you know, it really resonates today with people. There's parts of it that can be really hard to kind of slug through because it can, um, you feel like you're um, reading a lot of dialogue at points. But it is, uh, I think it really is such a beautiful picture. And if a, a fifth grader can read it and remember later on in life, the, this arc, the story arc of, he didn't get from point A to point B in this like, lickety split easy way of arriving at the celestial city it was it was a tumultuous dangerous um, adventure that christian went on you know and that's what our life is it's an adventure where we're engaging new things and experiences are being brought to us and then we're having to choose door door a or door b you know, am I going to trust myself and my own abilities? Am I going to lean on um, clenching my fist and holding on to things that feel like they're slipping away? Or am I going to hold that rope, which is Jesus, and go, yeah, Lord, see me through this? And uh, so, so I think that's where um, this does present a beautiful image for us. Um, Richard Baxter was a... Uh, Puritan pastor, and he wrote this. This caught me in this valley of shadow of death discussion. Uh, Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. He that into God's kingdom comes must enter by that door. And I think that's, um, I think that says what we've spoken to, that Christ endured this for us, and it's through that same path that we are going to experience his goodness and blessing. Um, because of Jesus. Um, well, the second image that I wanted to talk about today from here is uh, Christian ends up with his companion uh, at a place called Doubting Castle. 
Um, so he comes upon the grounds of this giant called Despair. And they are trespassing on giant's territory. Giant finds him actually sleeping in his field. And he picks him up and throws him into this dungeon at his castle. And he keeps him there and he beats him. And uh, he's trying to get them to surrender and give up. Um, you know, like, you don't want to do this anymore. You don't even want to stay alive. You know, wouldn't it be better if you just died? And so they're having all this. It's like a mockery that's being spoken to them. And um, and it reminds me of Psalm 88, which is a different psalm. Um, and Psalm 88 is a very dark psalm. It is, um, if you're able to turn a few pages through the psalms there. Um, it is a really... Uh, it ends... It's actually the only psalm that doesn't end with some sense of hopefulness directly or some, you know, yet I will praise God or yet I will hold fast to the Lord's promise that He's good for me. Uh, it, en- it ends with, um, You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. Darkness is my closest friend. That's that is dark, you know. Darkness is my closest friend. Um, That there have been people of faith that have really experienced that kind of darkness, and I don't know if you have or if you know somebody that has. But there are there are people that want to give up, that go, this isn't worth it to me. I don't see any way out. I don't know that this Ashley Madison thing that uh, you may have heard about the the pastor down in New Orleans who was on that list. He was on the Ashley Madison list and uh, he committed suicide. And it was really sad to hear um, somebody did an interview with his wife and his kids. I guess he had a daughter. And the daughter said... My dad was so, he, was, he gave so much grace to so many people. I just hate it that he didn't think we loved him enough to walk with him through this. Like he didn't believe it. And just how sad that is. And, but there, there, are, there are a lot of people that really struggle with hope. They really struggle to think God really loves them as they really are <laughs> at their worst. Isn't that the hardest for us, to really believe that God's grace and mercy is that deep? That, that he, he loves us when we're at our worst. And um, Christian and his companion in Doubting Castle, they are, uh, they are in this dark place. Darkness becomes their only friend. So they're there for like over a week, starving beaten with bloody sores they're in this dungeon there's no way out they're being mocked by the giant despair and Christian finds himself falling into that wondering maybe maybe the only way out really is to die maybe this is I don't see anything on the horizon that's really going to help um, it's interesting how, I, mean, I, I think we're so centered on our own culture in our own time frame that we think it's so much harder now to be Christian. You know, like, just to hear this from this ancient, it's not the right word, but, um, you know, 
400, 500 year old book that they dealt, dealt he was dealing with darkness and despair and, and mockery of his faith and temptation to doubt. And, and then, I mean, we, we kind of say it's just hard, harder now to be a, a Christian. There's so much more, you know, um, mm-hmm. attack on the Christian. The Christian faith is under attack. It's the best I can do. Thing. Right. You know, like, yeah. And I actually, I mean, I think a lot of comfort here and, you know, from, um, from, from this and being reminded you that, that the, the Christian faith is categorically and definitively under attack always. It stands mm-hmm. in opposition to mm-hmm. to, um, to the world, but not just for the bad out there world, but just life without Christ. Life is, is darkness and, um, mm-hmm. and, dis- and despair. Yeah. No, so, great point. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for the mind. Just, despair is it's not <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not. It's not silly to say it, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we get we get very tunnel vision and forget the trajectory or the tradition or the or even what's happening right now in other parts of the world that make our situation look so different, you know, and it acts so much easier by comparison. Yeah, you know, people talk to say about ISIS now, and I, I think, well, you know, that even doesn't seem as disturbing to me as what. The Catholics and the Protestants were doing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just, right, yeah. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, there's nothing new. Yeah. No. That's right. Yeah. There really isn't. Um. And and that's that's why this resonates with people. You know that that's why, that's why stories like you know whether it's the Narnia books with C.S. Lewis or um, you know the Lord of the Rings by Tolkien, you know, the, the, they're tapping into story arcs that resonate in every culture and every time and every place. Um, that's, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about the Christian faith is it is the story under which all these other stories are pieces of puzzles that make sense. They only make sense in light of the bigger story, the one, the story of God, the story of, God, of God's creating us in his image, creating a good, beautiful, um, fruitful world that then the, the fall brings destruction and chaos everywhere. And then God is about pursuing a wayward creation, pursuing us when we're um, indifferent to him or running from him. And ultimately, he's going to make all things right. Um, that's, what, that's what our ultimate hope is. And where everything will be reconciled to God through Christ. And that is a good story. And that's a compelling story. But, go ahead. How do we, so even, you know, we have all gifts, doubts, and we're, you know, he, how do we, how do we we tell this story better? Mm. How do we, to keep our friends who aren't Christians, how, how do we do that? Oh, that's such a great question. What, so, what do y'all think? Well, I was just thinking about when you were talking in that question, talking to Aiden, who's our four-year-old girl, and she was, they drew this picture, and then we were looking at this really kitschy book about Noah, and she's like, where's God? And I thought, I don't really know how to talk about this, because this little people version of the Noah story is a little off. So <laughs> I said, well, where do you think God is? And she was like, well, I think he's in heaven. I said, okay. And she said, Mom, 
what is heaven and what is that like? Hmm. And so I'm like, this is a storybook Bible. I'm going to go that route and just say, well, that's a place where um, the sad things have already come untrue, but that there's a way that things are right, that things work. And I was talking about a couple of things in her day that had kind of gone wrong. And I said, you know, that's a place where those things just are all okay and they work out. And so she, I think she said, um, so we're talking about that in heaven. And she said, oh, so that's what's happening when Jesus comes back. He's going to bring that here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it took me a long time to understand that. Way to go, three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, all right, Amen. Wow, good job. And then she said, "When is he going to do that?" And I said, "I don't know. When do you think?" And she said, "Definitely tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, I said, "Oh, you're right. I'll be back." You think she meant specifically tomorrow? Yeah. We can see it later. The eschatolo- eschatological <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You know, I, th- I think also, too, like, uh, um, when, uh, when pe- people are in, in despair, meeting them in that place and sharing hope, but also, as Christians, we're going to have despair. We're going to go through the valley. Uh-huh. And people will come to us and bring yeah. meals, and, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. if we're able uh, to hold on, Hmm. Um, but I, I think that a place of need is a, is, a, is a natural place of testimony. I think being transparent helps. I mean, if we're transparent from the people that don't believe, that's going to help them. If we're acting like we have it all together hmm. and we don't ever have doubts, that's yeah. going to help them because they're going to have doubts yeah. and they're going to think, well, I can never be in that place. So I just think transparency. Or, or they think, you know, I, I've come across people that will, um, there's no difference, so what's the big deal? You know, we're still, I, I think they, I think maybe they think things will, it's, it's, a, it's the golden ticket now, mm. you know, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, you know, I always think, why didn't, why wouldn't the good shepherd lead me away from the valley of the shadow? Like, but he doesn't, it's just, you know, I walk through it. I mean, you know, if you lead me beside green pastures, you're always leading me into the valley of the shadow for my sanctification. And, uh, and it's, you know, he's, he's with me there, um, but not because I stumbled into it. Maybe he rescued me out of the rock because he walked me through it. There's a family, um, most of you probably have heard about the Ortiz's and their son stood, he turned 16 a few weeks ago is battling cancer and basically they're just managing his pain right now but it's so to me picturesque I mean just neat that they're huge LT fans and he went to Death Valley yesterday mm-hmm. and um, just the Death Valley that we're bringing that up but they, wow. their ministry and it's it's Lynn his mom I've known her for a long time and that's just she is all out there she's been telling you everything that's on her mind and she mm. has been so I think healing to other people who are struggling with why is this happening to them. Talk about her doubts. Wow. And why is this happening to us? And then, but she comes back to we're trusting God and God is faithful. And you know, and sometimes you may not even mean it if you say that, but it's still giving yeah. you hope to do that. Even like in the Psalms at the end, that I give you praise at the end. But I just think that's so neat. I don't know why this whole time I've been thinking about that they're in Death Valley mm. yesterday. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm an Auburn girl, and I was glad LC won. You were willing to sacrifice that one. I thought about Death Valley 
in any of the death valleys. I grew up in South Carolina. We've got one of Clemson there too. Never thought of that term until Psalm 23. <laughs> but I guess it could, I guess it is. California, I thought about that. But. Mm. Mm. You, you know, and I mean, I guess Aiden really is the best theologian that's not in this, ta- in this table right now. Um, because Pilgr- Christian the Pilgrim, at some point his companion's encouraging him, and he reaches into under his shirt, and he has around his neck, it says, I have a key in my bosom called promise that will open any lock in Doubting Castle. And he, so it's like he suddenly remembered there is a promise. There is, there is a, this story isn't over. Um, you know, God is going to carry us through this, and he is going to bring a new day where the, in the new heavens and the new earth, and that propelled them on, so they're able to escape Downing Castle because of the promise of the gospel, because of the good news um, about Jesus and what he has done and what he will continue to do and what he is ultimately going to bring back when he comes back. So, and then, of course... You know, I don't know if you've heard the Charles Wesley song, And Can It Be? Um, It's a great hymn, but he says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused the quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And that's a picture of uh, Christ rescuing us in our doubt and our struggle and our sin. And it's something we need to turn to, not just, this is what, the point of Pilgrim's Progress is don't just turn to Christ. It's not a one-time magic formula. It is a life of continuing to repent and believe, repent and believe, look to Jesus. And it's a moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour thing. It's um, something we're always encountering every day. So I think there's, there's much for me to take in in that. Um, so, well, I appreciate all y'all's thoughts. Uh, that that made for a really rich discussion in my m- mind. So, I really appreciate your contributions, and that'll. I hope during this week, um, as you think about what you're facing this week, that you'll um, there will be some things that will really encourage and sustain you um, as you're a pilgrim this week, uh, walking the wilderness of this land. So. I'd love to talk to her about that. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, help the help the families know about that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to, I'd love to hear how she got, how she does that, what materials she uses, because I mean that's that's really great to help shape the um, imaginations of our young people. I think that's really important. Okay. Great. Yeah, Sarah Jane gave me this DVD. If anybody's interested, if you want the movie version, um, here it is. So. All right, well, let us go forth in the uh, power of the Spirit.